evening, and uh, we're glad you're here. There's those of you that are joining us online, and uh, those that are a part of us unable to be here, we welcome you as a part of the uh, live stream this evening. I um, This is going to be kind of a two-part thing tonight. The second part will be kind of, I guess, some teaching is what I feel like the Lord has given me. But I, I just, I want to share some things for a little bit here. And uh, quite honestly, I, I kind of wish we were back on Zoom, uh, but we're not. And so I'm, I will be uh, hopefully the gift of interpretation for some of you. Uh, but I, I, there, there's some things I just, I want to, I want to. I guess I'll say it this way. I want to weigh it on a little bit. <laughs> um, and, uh, and we are in a whole different, we're just, we're in a different day and time with, and I realize, again, not all of you uh, are on social media. And uh, I say it and I'll say it again, and, and I mean it. I, you're probably the smart ones in the room. Um, but uh, I'm still on it, and I don't plan to get off of it. Because there is some things that are often enjoyable and uh, humorous in a good way, and but but there's there is a lot of stuff, and if you're not if you're you know if you if you don't know how to filter through and process some of it, you you're gonna get yourself in trouble. Paul Paul told Timothy, you need to know how to rightly divide the word. You need to know how to process some things, and I, I want to just I want to share some things, and um, I think some of you will will get rather quickly. I'm, I'm I'm I don't plan to get very specific here. Again, as I've said when we were on Zoom, I'm not ashamed. I'm not embarrassed to say whatever the Lord would have me to say, but neither am I interested in just saying what I want to say. Um, so. Here's the, and these are just going to be a couple of different points. They're not necessarily uh, flowing one neck, one into the other, but it's just some things the last couple of days I feel like for me the Lord has dropped into my spirit. Um, I, I know there's at least a number of you that are uh, aware of some of the stirrings uh, that seem to be happening. In the last several weeks, um, some some spiritual stirrings, and so I just I want to just share a couple of things with you here for this first part. So, first thing, and 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 you know what? One of the things I love about Scripture is the principles God gives us. Oftentimes, have multiple applications. They're not just for one specific. Thing. There may be a primary application, but that principle can apply in a whole lot of different places, a whole lot of different ways. And I think this is one of those. 1 Corinthians 4, verse number 1. Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you 
or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self. For I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified. But he that judges, judgeth me is the Lord. Therefore, therefore, judge nothing. Judge nothing before the time. Until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts, and then shall every man have praise of God. And I know the kind of the specific context that Paul is talking about there until the Lord come. He's talking about the very end, but I think there is a principle in this verse that we need to be mindful of. Judge nothing before the time, before the, 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 the appropriate time. There's a lot of people trying to pass judgment on what's been happening the last several weeks, one way or the other. Paul says, don't be quick to judge, because the bottom line is we can err on both sides. Let me just use this in more of a, a, more of a practical level uh, beyond what this is kind of in my spirit over I, I, I've watched it through the years. I've watched it, especially as someone new has come. There have been some new people that have come, some new folks, whether it's people that just got saved or, or people that have moved here from someplace else. And man, they were, they were the next five-star recruit. A little bit of sports terminology there, if you don't. They were going to be the next, they were the, they were the next Apostle Paul. Boy, they're going to be. Unfortunately, things got judged before the time. Because it turned out they really weren't who they. I have prayed it continues to be a prayer of mine. Because the older you get, the easier it is to become cynical and skeptical. For years, man, somebody, we'd get somebody new come and they'd say all the right things. And I'm like, woo, yeah, we got them. This is awesome. And now I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> give it a couple of months. Give it a couple of years. But the flip side is also true. There are times we look at people and we go, yeah, there ain't nothing. There ain't nobody. And then time goes on. And things begin to unfold and God begins to do things in that life. And you're going, whoa, I didn't expect that. Didn't think that was going to happen. So, so, so I, that, that's more of a practical, I think, application of what Paul is saying here. Don't judge something because when you decide the judgment, that then affects your, act, that then affects your actions and your attitudes. If I, if I just meet Julian and I judge him to be arrogant and, and stuck up, I'm going to treat him based on what I have judged him to be. If I judge him to be a humble, kind, 
sincere person, I'm going to treat him that way. Paul says, don't judge something. So therefore, what is our responsibility? It's always to believe and hope for the best because that's what love does. Listen to a couple of other translations of this. The Amplified says it this way. But as for me personally, and, and, and this is not the main point, but there's some good stuff in these verses. But as for me personally, it matters very little to me that I should be put on trial by you on this point. And that you or any other human tribunal should investigate and question and cross-question me. I don't even put myself on trial and judge myself. Man, it's easy to get up in arms and all flustered about how somebody else is judging us. Paul says, I, I don't care. And I don't even judge myself because I am not... I am, he says, I am not conscious of anything against myself, and I feel blameless, but I am not vindicated and acquitted before God on that account. It is the Lord himself who examines and judges me. Paul says, I don't even judge myself because as far as I know, I don't have anything to be guilty of. I, I've got a conscience that I am trying to have void of offense between God and man, but I'm not even certain of that. So it's God that's got to judge me. So do not make any hasty or premature judgments before the time when the Lord comes again. For He will both bring to light in the secret things that are now hidden in darkness and disclose and expose the secret aims, motives, and purposes of hearts that then every man will receive his due commendation from God. Amber alert, for those of you that don't have a smartphone. Brother Trust, it's an amber alert. (laughs) Just give it time. I wasn't going to get... Didn't come to intention of getting this specific, but here I am. Is, is, is what's going on at Asbury a move of God or not? It started two weeks ago, three weeks ago, two weeks ago. Why do we got to jump to conclusions? Why would... If it is, it will be. If it's not, That'll be proven as well. But why do we need to jump to judgments? One way or the other. The Living Bible says it this way, verse 2. Now the most important thing about a servant is that he does just what his master tells him to. Do, tells him to. What about me? Have I been a good servant? Well, I don't worry over what you think about this or what anyone else thinks. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. My conscience is clear, but even that isn't final proof. It is the Lord Himself who must examine me and decide. I don't even know my own heart. The best I'm trying to search myself, I don't know of anything, but at the end of the day, I don't even know myself. So it's God that's got to judge. How can I judge you if I can't even judge me? How can I determine things that I can't even determine about myself? 
So be careful not to jump to conclusions before the Lord returns as to whether someone is a good servant or not. When the Lord comes, He will turn on the light so that everyone can see exactly what each one of us is really like deep down in our hearts. Then everyone will know why we have been doing the Lord's work. At that time, God will give to each one whatever praise is coming to Him. Lastly, the Message Bible says it this way, verse 3. It matters very little to me what you think of me, even less when I rank, even less where I rank in popular opinion. Would to God every one of us could say that. And that's not, Paul's not saying that in an arrogant way to say, I'm a, because what Paul is saying, I, I, don't, I don't really care about what you think about me. There's one person that I'm concerned what he thinks about me. I think I said it recently. As a pastor, I am not here to serve you. My goal is not to serve you. Because if I try to serve you, I'm going to disappoint you. I will let you down. As If I try to serve you, some of you will think I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread. And some of you will think I'm worse than moldy bread. There's one that I am trying to serve. And I am trying to serve Him. That's the one whose name is up on the wall. Because I understand that I can possibly please you and disappoint Him. But I also can serve and please Him. And that doesn't mean I automatically please you. Matters very little to me what you think of me, even less where I rank in popular opinion. I don't even rank myself. That means Paul. what Paul's saying there was, if I had Facebook, I'd never even look at how many likes my post got. I'd never even look at how many views I got. I'd never even see where my, uh, where, how, many, how many followers my podcast had. <laughs> Comparisons in these matters are pointless. I'm not aware of anything that would disqualify me from being a good guide for you, but that doesn't mean much. The master makes that judgment. So don't get ahead of the master and jump to conclusions with your judgments before all the evidence is in. When he comes, he will bring out in the open and place in evidence all kinds of things we never even dreamed of. Inner motives, and purposes and prayers, only then will any of us get to hear the well done of God. Don't judge anything before the time. Give it time. And if it is God, it will be proven to be God. And if something is not God, God God's a pretty big God. He can kind of take care of himself. And I, I, I'm not this, this, these 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 points here that I feel to make in the beginning. I, I'm I'm asking you, please don't do. Well, you just you're talking about a no. I'm talking about stuff that we probably are going to face more and more. We're going to see more and more. And we need to make sure we are doing our best to rightly divide the word to use proper biblical principles. At the end of the day, my opinion doesn't matter on anything. 
That doesn't mean I can't give it and you can't give yours. But at the end of the day, our opinions are not what matters. What matters is the Word of God. And God is able to prove what is true and what is not. You know, I've noticed something. I noticed it before, but I've noticed it recently several times. But I've, I've talked about, I think one time I may have even had a picture. I couldn't find it, but... But if you're facing, uh, if you're facing my house, the left side there's a there's a fence that runs down between the uh, us and our neighbors, and um, there there's just a hole all along there. At at some point, was just some absolutely beautiful, amazing shrubbery. But because of lack of care, vines have overtaken a lot of it. In fact, some of the trees, some of the Trees that were intentionally planted, the vines are so intertwined and they're, they're as, they've gotten to be as thick as some of the branches. But one of the things I've noticed is that when winter comes, it's kind of easy to identify what's the weeds versus what's the intentional things that were planted. Because even in wintertime, I can still recognize some of the green that's on the bushes and the flowers that were put there intentionally. It's all of that stuff that is unwelcomed, that has died off and is now brown. You know something, if you, give, if you just give God time, He's able to show the distinction between what's real, what's true, what's of Him, and what's not. It doesn't need you and I to make determinations and proclamations. I, I have... I have uh, uh, man, I wish we were on Zoom. <laughs> I, I've never seen a topic that stirred up so much stuff. Not just the good stuff. Of course, part of it is it's, we're not careful. We, we get a little jealous, but we also need to figure out what are we getting jealous over? Oh, boy. I better keep going. Judge, so that, there, there's point, point one. Y'all take a note. Point one tonight. Don't, don't judge. Give God time. Give it t- whatever it is. Give it time. If it's not of God, it doesn't need you to worry. It doesn't need you to tear it down. If it's not of God, God is more than capable of taking care of it. Goes back to what I said several Thursday nights ago about assigning motives. Jumping to conclusions. It, it, that's, not, that's not my job. He's the judge. Last time I checked, there is no Supreme Court in the Bible where a bunch of justices sit. He's the judge. And he's more than capable of doing his job. Point number two. Jesus had sent them out, sent out the 70, Luke 10, 17. The 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord... Even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan 
as lightning fall from heaven. And behold, I give unto you. I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this rejoice, that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. You're all excited because devils are subject to you in my name and you're, you're all thrilled about that. That's not what you ought to be rejoicing over. What you really ought to be getting exciting over is that your name or someone else's name was written in the Lamb's book of life. All of heaven rejoices. There's only one thing that I know of the scripture says that all of heaven rejoices over. That's not when a demon gets cast out of somebody. That's not when a sick person gets healed. The thing that all of heaven rejoices over is when a sinner repents. It's easy to get to rejoicing over a lot of things. that Nothing wrong with those things, but they're not the real thing. Brother Tenney, some of you know that name, some of you don't, I won't take time to explain, but he said you got to keep the main thing the main thing. That's, that's so true. We get so caught up so many times on peripheral things, which is just a trick of the enemy, because if he can get you distracted with things on the peripheral, then that means you're not focusing on what you need to be focusing on. Point number two. Point number three. Acts. Listen to what. Listen to what the scripture says in Acts six. And this is. This is kind of still the beginning. Twenty eight chapters in Acts, and so this is still in the very beginning of things. The scripture says the word of God increased, and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Living Bible says God's message was preached in ever-widening circles and the number of disciples increased vastly in Jerusalem and many of the Jewish priests were converted to. So the word of God increasing wasn't that the Bible was being added to. It's not that the scripture was being added to. What he's saying by the word of God increased was the spreading of the message I, I don't. I, I, it, it perplexes me how that we often define some of our greatest services as we had no preaching. The epitome of a great service is there was no preaching. There's nothing wrong with a service that has no preaching if the Spirit is leading, but that's not that's not the epitome of a great service. Notice, please, and I love what I'm about to say, but it did not say that worship increased. It wasn't an increase of worship that was being talked about. It was an increase of the Word. The Word. I think there should be a little bit of concern when we celebrate the fact there's no word. Hello? 
When we're all excited about well, well, there wasn't we didn't we didn't there wasn't no we didn't have a we didn't have any tea. We the word increased. The word increased. The word wasn't minimized. The word wasn't lessened. The word increased. Paul says this. Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except it they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Now, in my understanding of this passage, what Paul is saying here, he's not referencing specifically the person standing behind the pulpit. The word preacher there is a proclaimer. It's a herald. It's somebody bringing good news. How are you going to know if somebody's not preaching? And again, for all of those that want to whatever and argue, I'm not talking about standing behind a pulpit per se. Something should be proclaimed. I think it's a problem when we have great miracles and signs and wonders that don't lead to the proclamation of the Word. I don't know if some of you are just kind of like in a bubble or if some of you are struggling with me. I'm not really sure. How beautiful are they that preach, preach, preach. I love worship. Bottom line is, from my knowledge, my understanding, there is nothing from Genesis to Revelation that tells us what we are supposed to do when we gather together for what we call church or a gathering. There's nothing in there. There's no, there's no format. There's no, there, there's no program. So to me, what we do, we take some biblical principles and we put them together. And, and, and I, 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 oh my goodness, I, I realize, well, we, you know, man, I wish I was on Zoom. <laughs> it, it's amazing how quickly we like to use the tradition card. We love to pull the tradition card out when it's something we just don't really like or we just don't really want to do. So they're, 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 we, why, we, well, you just start a service, we sing out of tradition, we sing out of ritual. No, the reason that I start a service most of the time with that is because the psalmist said we are to enter his gates with thanksgiving, we are to enter his courts with praise, and singing is one of the ways in which we do that. And how many times, we've seen it weeks and weeks and weeks now, that there's numerous times that we get into singing and worship in a service, and, and, and just all of a sudden, without anybody telling somebody what to do, without any instructions, ministry begins to break 
break out. Why? Because we've entered into his presence. And when you get in his presence, you know, we talk about you can't outgive God. And we think of that first and foremost when it comes to finances. And sure, I believe that. But I don't believe that you can't get outgive God only applies to your money. I believe when you begin to worship and you begin to praise God, you are now giving. You are giving an offering. And there's only so much He's going to let you give until He decides, no, you're not out giving me. So if you're going to send something up, I'm going to send something down. So, the Word, the ministry of the Word, it's not our... It's not our goosebumps that are going to get us to heaven. It's not the feeling of the presence of God. It's going to be the Word. If I, Part 2 tonight kind of ties into that. Not really pre-planned just what I was feeling, but, but that's what's going to get us to heaven. That's what's going to get us through all the chaos and the confusion and the questions in this world. It's not just going to be the Spirit. It's going to be the Word. Word, the Word. The word of God increased. The word of God increased. The word of God increased. It's amazing to me. It's been it's been written several times now by several different people. There's a magazine that goes out to all licensed ministers and the organization we're a part of, and 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 it's been promoted in there that in certain settings you shouldn't preach more than twenty minutes, and other settings other settings, including like tonight, forty five minutes. It's kind of crazy to me. People can sit down on a regular basis and watch a two-hour movie, but we're supposed to limit teaching and preaching of the Word of God to 20 or 30 minutes. Man, there was all kinds of awesome stuff that was shared this weekend at the... At the, at the marriage seminar, but I think it was Sister Jostrand that was talking about the fact that hunger and thirst are natural. That's, they're, that's, they're normal, they're natural. But we, de- we determine, we develop appetite. We determine, we affect what we are hungry for. Bishop was in Brazil this past weekend, and if I'm not mistaken, I think he said in in, uh, I think it was six sessions he taught for 19 hours. It's an amazing. We, we want to squeeze and condense. And One of the things that is so absolutely vital to us. The word increased. The word increased. I think we need to be a little bit mindful of things that are celebrating or want to minimize the word. How many, how many, again, I, I love them. I love it. I don't think I have to defend that. How many, how many worship services, how many worship experiences did, do we know in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that Jesus had? He just they they just sat multitudes down and just listened as he taught. Why is it the first thing to seem to always go is the word? Why why is that? Why are we so quick to push it out of the way? 
I, I, I'm going to tell you, it's one of the tricks of the enemy. I think this is my last point along these lines, and then we'll get to the other part. I think we all need a bit of a heart check. Matthew 20, verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And when he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whosoever is right, I will give, and whatsoever is right, I will give you. And they went their way. And again, he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, final hour, he went out and found others standing idle and saying to them, why stand ye here idle all why stand ye here all the day idle? They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us, he saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. Isn't it interesting here in these verses, the only, the only people he told them how much he was going to pay, him, pay them was the first round. After that, all he said was, you come work and I'll do what's right. When they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, the last hour of the day, they, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst thou not agree with me for a penny? Take that is thine, and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. I will give unto the last, even as unto thee. Again, I think with Jesus' parables, most parables, there's a primary application, and then there's some varying applications and lessons you can learn from it. And, and this is one I've always kind of struggled fully understanding or wrapping my brain around, and I'm not sure I've ever heard others explain it even more clearly than I've had an understanding of it. But I think one of the contexts of it has to do with where we are right now. We are in the 11th hour. That's the final hour. We are in the 11th hour. And there's going to be some people that get hired on at the end. Or let's make it a little more plain. There's going to be some people saved in the 11th hour. And because they were saved in the 11th hour, they're not going to meet up to everything you've done for the previous 11 hours. Well, I've been here for 45 years and I had to dress this way and I had to do that and I couldn't do this and I couldn't go there. You're telling me they just came in and they're going to get salvation? Yes, I am. 
Well, that's just not fair. Oh, so what you're saying is you are an elder brother. If the elder brother would have had the right attitude and the right spirit, he'd have been right there with the father saying, Hey, Dad, what, what, what can I do to help with this party? What can I do to help with this celebration? How, how, can I, how can I make sure that we celebrate and welcome home? Because it's not just your son that was lost. That's my brother that's been gone. And I want to celebrate. But no, he was too caught up in the fact, I've been here all this time checking the boxes, dotting the I's, crossing the T's, and you go out and blow everything and come back and all of a sudden you're getting celebrated? They're going to get salvation. They may have come in at the 11th hour, but they're going to get salvation. Well, you see, that's not fair. You know what? I think there's some things in the Word of God that balance it all out if you'll just be patient. Don't judge anything before it's time. Because Paul, and I think relates to this, Paul says there's going to be a day when every man's works are going to be tried. Whether tried with fire, whether you built of gold, silver, and precious stones, or whether you built of wood, hay, and stubble. And so when the fire tests what you built with, if you built with Gold, silver, or precious stones, the fire will not destroy those things. It'll just prove that you built with the right things. But if you built with wood, hay, and stubble, the fire will consume what you built. But Paul says, you'll still be saved. Because there's a difference between salvation and rewards. Salvation is free to everyone. But there's going to be some rewards in heaven. There's also a satisfaction that comes, in my opinion, that comes when you've been on the job all day and you know where we started from. Some of you, this, is, this sanctuary here, that's all you've ever known of Antioch. You don't know some of the places. I was... I, I think, I forget who it was, I just told, may have been the Joe Strand just the other day, but budget rent-a-car on West Street. Originally was a restaurant, and then for a little while it was, was where church, where we had church. You, you, you don't know some of the places where we came from. But there's some folks here tonight that there is, yeah, you may have come in and you got the same salvation, but there, there's a level that they value some things because they know what it was like to be at the YMCA, which is now the Salvation Army on Hilltop Lane, and to take up and set down every single week, every single service, week after week after week. And, and, and they, they know what that's like. Doesn't make them better than the rest, but you know what? You, hey, I'm glad you came in and helped us finish the job at the 11th hour, but I saw where we came from. I'm telling you, we, we preach it. We've been declaring it for years. Going to be churches and all these people getting great revelation and understanding and all these things, but God help us if we got an elder brother attitude. If we got a laborer's attitude that says, wait a minute, you're going to give them what you gave us? If that's your attitude, you need to check your motives on what you're doing. 
That was part one. I don't know if part two will go for as long, but here we go. I, I hope by the help of the Lord that uh, if he'll let me, I hope to follow up next week with uh, kind of part two to this. But we'll see. But listen, listen to what... Uh, so what Paul says in Romans 8, 13. For if you live after the flesh, you will die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. And then verse 14, this is where I want to draw your focus to. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The New Century Version says, The true children of God are those who let God's Spirit lead them. So King James makes it sound like, you know, the sons of God are those who are led by, can be. But, but here it says, the true children are those who let God's Spirit lead them. And then the Passion Translation says, the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. They are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. I, I, to me, that ties in to where the Scripture says that the trumpet is going to sound and the dead in Christ shall rise. That word trumpet there in the original language basically means a pulse. Impulse here is not, oh, hey, I think when I leave here tonight, I'm going to go buy a new car. That's not the impulse this is talking about. It's talking about that impulse, that beating of the, 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 the beating of the heart kind of a pulse. That we would be, that, that, that the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Spirit. Not those that are moved by God getting out His megaphone and yelling into our ears. The sons of God become attent, attentive to, attuned to the pulse that's why I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again tonight. That's why worship, that's part of one of the things. It's not the primary thing, but one of the important things about worship is when we worship, what we are learning to do is to respond to the pulse of the Spirit. What if instead of Gabriel standing out with this trumpet and playing this trumpet solo that blasts all over the earth and gets everybody attention, what if all God does is simply send out a pulse? Will you and I have developed enough sensitivity to the Spirit to just recognize the pulse? How many of you are sitting there having trouble hearing me right now because of your heart, the sound of your heartbeat? Anybody? Didn't think so. Am I the only one that sometimes you get in the wrong position on your pillow at night and it sounds like there's a drum in your ear? Boom, boom, boom. I had to know I'm not the only one. You're not, you're, well, nobody's sitting here, man, I wish they'd turn up the volume because I can't hear because my heart beats. I, I put him on, I see Brother, Brother Bray, I know his, he's not hearing his because he's over there making sure he's got it. I said, 
Isn't that interesting to, to find a heartbeat? You've got you to gotta hone in on it. You've got to be attuned to it. That's what Those that are the sons of God are led by the, the gentle pulse of the Spirit. I, I, I've come to challenge us tonight. We need to be led by the Spirit. So obviously I think that begs the question, what does it mean to be led by the Spirit? And how are we led by the Spirit? This is one of my pet peeves in life, the statement I'm about to make, because I feel like it's way overused, but I, I really mean it sincerely. That's a great question. Hey, when you're watching, you know, interview and every little question, that's a great question. Not every question is a great question. In fact, some questions actually really are dumb questions. Here's the, here's the interesting thing to me. And that the Lord willing and I get to come back to next week, it'll be about trying to show from all throughout Scripture the variety of ways that are exemplified of how we are led by the Spirit. Because I can't find, and I've dug for it, I've dug for it most of the day today, and in the past I've looked for it. What are the, what are the steps to being led by the Spirit? I the only one that's ever wanted to know, and anybody else interested? I guess all of y'all know how to be led by the Spirit. You got it all down, so take my place, and I will be an audience of one. I can't find it. I can't find the bullet points of how you are led by the Spirit. One of those common questions when you get in a question and answer in session on spiritual stuff is, how do I know the voice of God? How do I know the will of God? Guess what? That's a great question. I used to, I used to struggle. This is, this is a part of the uh, grow, I think, level two. We, we need to get it uploaded. We started it and I think got disrupted with, um, if I'm not mistaken, when we got disrupted with um, uh, COVID stuff, but One of the most relieving moments in my life was a couple of years ago watching the series we're using for spiritual. What's the series of Brother Cole? What do we call that? Preparation. And Brother Billy Cole, if you don't know that name, Brother Billy Cole is a, was, he passed away several years ago, a modern, I believe, a modern day apostle. Literally saw hundreds of thousands of people receive the gift of the... Literally saw hundreds of thousands of people. Ethiopia, every year, tens of thousands of people would get the Holy Ghost in other places. Thailand, he went to Thailand. He and his wife as a missionary. And, I mean, just amazing things. Saw, saw miracles on the level scale of, of Acts and the Bible. And in that series, he talks about hearing the voice of God. He talks about how the fact that... He and his wife, it's very different for them. I think the reason there is no A, B, C, D, E, how are you led by the Spirit, 
is because we've got to accept the way God may choose to primarily lead you is not going to be the same way necessarily that He decides to lead me. But the goal is I want to be led by the Spirit. And I'm just going to say this, and, and uh, uh, you may disagree with me, but I, it's my experience and observation. I think a great majority of the time of being led by the Spirit is not about some kind of consistent direction from the voice of God of telling you what to do, but I think it's more like about being in the flow of the Spirit and you don't even recognize that God is really leading you. The way I've said it for you, I've said it with regards to the will of God, but I'll say it in regards to being led by the Spirit. When it, comes to, when it comes to the world and the direction the world's going, you and I are supposed to be like salmon. Salmon stream up, salmon stream. Yes, they do. Salmon swim upstream against very strong currents. They even jump waterfalls to get to the place they're going to lay their eggs. When it comes to what this world is doing and the direction this world is going, you need to be a salmon. But when it comes to being led by the Spirit, you know what you need to be? There you go. A jellyfish. What's a jellyfish do? I've seen some people worship like that sometimes. Right? They do not determine the direction they go. The current determines the direction. You know what my desire every day is? To present myself as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. God, get me in the current of your spirit. Because if I can get in the current of your spirit, you have the ability to direct the flow, to get me to wherever I need to go, to be wherever I need to be. But the bottom line is, as sons of God, and that is generic there, that's not gender specific, it's relational, it's individual, we are sons of God. We are supposed to be, we should strive to be led by the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit is not just what the special evangelist who comes in every now and then. It's, it's not Brother Hurt that knows how to stand people up and read their mail and call things out that nobody else but God knew. That's not all there. Is that a part of being led by the Spirit? Absolutely. But 90 plus percent of us in this room are never going to have that kind of an opportunity. So is being led by the Spirit only for a select few? No, those that are the sons of God are to be led by the Spirit of God. In essence, what was prophesied in the Old Testament, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. I'm going to put my spirit in you and then I'm going to use that to lead you. What are you talking about, brother? Right? You're talking about leading me and what to, what to preach or what? To, I'm talking about lead you. In every category, in every area. If you've got your life compartmentalized, you, you, you need to get your head in the Bible. 
If you've got your life compartmentalized into the natural and the spiritual, or, or, or you've got, you know, you got God, you got ministry, you got your family, you got work, you got this, you got that, you, you, you're, missing, you're missing something. There are no compartments. Present yourselves as a living sacrifice. Present all of you. It says holy, and holy there is H-O-L-Y, but I think it fits that you're supposed to present yourself W-H-O-L-L-Y as well. You're supposed to give all of you. I think I've said something about it from the pulpit recently, but for several months now, it's just been, it's just been a thought in my mind. What is all of this supposed to look like on a daily basis? Because I believe I'm amongst a group of people tonight that we all believe, we agree, that Sunday morning, Sunday night, Thursday night is not the epitome of what this is all about. It is a part of what we do. It is is a part, but it's it's, it's not the climax of what we do. On a given week, at the most, you spend six hours here. There's probably 160, 170 people here tonight, somewhere in that neighborhood. We got a, a, the media department is having a meeting tonight trying to regroup and get some things working better and whatever else. And so there's some out, but we're now, we, we're now, have, we're now running over 300 people on Sunday mornings. 300 people on Sunday mornings, and we only got 160 or so here tonight. So there's a bunch of people that, it's only about two hours for them. What is this supposed to look like? Because this is not supposed to be about just coming to church, as we all know. I want to be led. And here's the thing, and, and, and again, the Lord willing, I'll share some of these things next week. But, but I, think we've, I think we have made this so mysterious. I, I think we've made being led by the Spirit to be this mystical thing. It is this, you know, ooh. Mm. What are you doing? Oh, I'm trying to, trying to be led by the Spirit. You know what? You need to be led by the Spirit spirit tomorrow on your job. But you sit there at your desk tomorrow. Mm -hmm. What's going on? Well, I'm just trying to be led by the Spirit. We're going to lead. We're going to lead. I don't know about no Spirit leading, but we're going to lead. I'm going to lead you right out the door. Just that, that impulse. That, that, that gentle impression that, uh, Elijah, he goes, he goes from the top of Mount Carmel calling fire down from heaven and, and, and now he's running for his life and he hides out in the cave and the Bible says there was, uh, and I, this isn't necessarily the specific order, I don't remember the exact order, but the Bible says there was an earthquake, there was wind and there was fire. These extremely dramatic things. I, I, I'm... Oh boy. This is <laughs> I need 
I need to wet the whistle on this one. This is, this is a little broader than some of you. Some of you are about to interpret this for one reason that that's really not even the reason. I'll let you and Jesus figure that out. I, I've, I've seen it. I've heard people, why? Why isn't what is happening here and there happening here? First of all, Jesus, the Great Commission wasn't come. Hello? The Great Commission was go. I don't think God ever intended it for us to... That's why there, there's nothing... Yeah, this place is set apart for what we're doing here tonight. It's set apart as a place of prayer and worship. But there is abs- from a natural standpoint, there's absolutely nothing special about this place. Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there. Where's there? Wherever two or three gather. We, 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 I mean, how many of you here got your driver's license tonight? How many of you here got, look at all this. I, I got a question. If, if we, if we tried to schedule an outing tomorrow night for all of you, it's not open right now, probably because of the winter time. Boy, that's a joke. <laughs> Did y'all see historic blizzard? A historic blizzard sweeping across the country, and there ain't no history happening right here, <laughs> other than the hottest day in February. <laughs> That's what I get from my bad attitude. I forgot where I was. Oh yeah, driver's license. How many of you, if, if I, you know, hey, we're gonna we're gonna go to Crofton go kart track tomorrow night. Okay. Why am I going to get all excited about Crofton go-kart track when tonight when I leave here, I can go from zero to 60 pretty quick. I had to take Timothy to the airport this morning. He went, went out to California for the, he's still finishing up online with CLC and went out for, for their winter banquet. I was, I left my house at about 3.40. I was back in my bed less than an hour later. And if you don't know how long it normally takes to get from my house to BWI, that's good. You don't need to know how norm it normally takes. You know what it's like when you're on Route 50 and you can barely see a car in front of you? And there's barely a car behind you. And you're praying there ain't no cop cars anywhere. <laughs> why, why, why do we want to get so caught up in something? Why, why do we want to go back to driving a go-kart? When God's trying to give you the keys to the Ferrari. 
going to put my spirit in you and I'm, I'm going to cause you. I'm not going to force you. That cause there is like, I'm not going to force you. It's, I'm going to cause. You know what's interesting? I thought of this earlier today as I was studying. We, we got, you know, AI and, and uh, robots and all this stuff. They, they make movies. They make movies kind of based on a plot line of those things all of a sudden getting their own will. Things that are designed to be controlled get their own will and they go crazy. Kind of interesting, humans are the opposite. We get our own will, but we're supposed to surrender it. I don't think we do any less damage by keeping our will than the, than the robot does in getting its own will. I want to put my statutes in you, and then I'm going to lead you. I'm going to guide you. Jesus, Jesus himself, Luke 4 and 1, chapter, end of chapter 3, he's baptized of John, verse 1, and Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the world. Led by the Spirit into the world. How was he led? Was there a voice? Was there a dream? Was there a vision? Was there an angelic visitation? We have no idea. Or was it just a impulse? I just, I need to go. See, part, part of what I wish some of you would get tonight is you, you, you're, you're missing, you're missing some ways. You're not recognizing because they seem to be just so unsensational, if that's the word. You're missing the fact God's, God's leading you. God is guiding you. God is directing. He, he, you, you may not be getting this audible voice with every step to take and every direction to go. You may not be getting dreams every single night to tell you what to do the next day, but, but, but that impulse is guiding you. I don't even realize it, but it's happening because if you are submitting yourself and surrendering yourself to the best of your ability, to the will of God, the plan of God, the purpose of God, then you can trust that God is going to do what's necessary to lead you. He's not going to violate your will if you're trying to just do your own thing and go your own direction. But if you are trying to be submitted and surrendered to Him, you can trust that He is going to lead. Jesus was led by the Spirit. So, so, so here's the thing. I know some of you, you, you probably said, okay, brother, right, you're going you're gonna to tell us tonight or you're going to tell us the, at least next week what is the, the secret to unlocking some of these doors. Or... The bottom line is this. The most reliable way First and foremost, I believe the most reliable way for you and I to be led by the Spirit is by the Word. Man, that was a powerful response. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The Passion Translation, truth's shining light guides me in choices and decisions. The revelation of your word makes my pathway clear. Hmm. The word. 
I said it to you several weeks ago. I'm, God, talk to me. God, I want you to speak to me more. God, I want to hear from you more. And I was sitting there in my morning time of prayer, and, and, and my Bible's sitting there, and it was just, it was like, how much more can I speak to you? What more do you need me to say than what's right here? Well, that's not as, that's not as sensational. But it sure is reliable. I don't know about you, but there have been some times I thought I heard from God. I thought it was God spoke to me and only to find out. I, I kind of, but I'm telling you, if it, the word says it, it's... Here's the deal. We're, we're, we're apostolics, and a part of being apostolic is we believe in one God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And in John, it says, there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Spirit. These three are one. I think it's the verse before that. It says, that, says three things, and my mind's drawing a blank. But in that verse, it says they agree in one. But when it's referencing the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, it says they are one. So if you and I are sons of God, should be led by the Spirit of God, and in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and God is a Spirit, is not letting the Word of God direct you and lead you being led by the Spirit? Again, when I, that, I said it several months ago, the only thing I know of, the only thing I know of that you can read or listen to if you do it by audio without needing a filter. And I don't mean a filter of, well, I like that or I don't like that. I don't mean that kind of filter. But I mean the filter of, is this, is this true? Is this based on the Word of God? Is this accurate with the Word of God? I, I, I'm sorry if you dis- disappoint you, but I don't think you can sit there and listen to me without a check going on. I have no intention. I never have. And by the grace of God, I will never do anything to intentionally lead someone astray. But I'm not infallible. I've had people, thankfully, most of the time with a right attitude and a right spirit, I've had people either come up to me after a service or email me later and say, you said such and such in your message, but this is what, uh, you're right. I'm sorry. You're you're, you're correct. I, I got that wrong. I got that twisted up. When you're reading the Word of God, you got James Earl Jones playing, and you're able to stay awake. No filters needed. I don't need to filter what the Word says. I can open my spirit wide open. I can open my mind wide open. Pour it in, God. I don't have to figure out if it's right or wrong. Pour it in. And that's why the psalmist says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Because if I've got the word in my heart and I'm trying to have my path directed, whether it's in the spiritual areas or the natural areas of my life, if I've got the word inside of me, the word can be quickened to my mind to help guide me to know what to do analogy I've used numerous times and I'll keep using but if, if, if you're trying to travel somewhere by following the GPS that you've never been before you are not a safe driver 
because there, especially you get around some some of these high traffic areas and ex, I mean you got exits where there's A B C D and you're trying to figure out which one is this my and you're you're trying to look and do this and listen and all that stuff you're not safe. And then I know we got some men here and you just you're not going to follow directions so waste your time if you want to go ahead. Go drive around. I ain't going to let no woman tell me how to get there. Anybody here, when you leave here tonight, head home, you're going to plug the address into your GPS? I do that more and more when I leave the church during the daytime. Not because I don't know how to get home, because I, don't want, to, because I want to know the best route to go home. It's basically a 10-minute drive from here to my house. And especially in the summertime, that can go to 30, 45 minutes in no time. I'd rather be driving for 30 minutes on all the back roads than sitting for 30 minutes. At least I feel like I'm getting somewhere. <laughs> you're, not, you're not getting in your car. In fact, some of you, I, prom- I guarantee some of you, you've had a long day. You've been up early this morning. Some of you will pull into your driveway or your parking lot where you live, and it will almost be as if, how did I get here? And I'm not talking about you got a Tesla either. How, how did I get here? I, I don't even, why? Because it's hidden in your heart. It's in your heart. So if I put the word in my heart, then it becomes a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. And part of the reason it's so important for you to hide the word in your heart beyond what you hear taught or preached in any setting is because God can't quicken what's not there. Oh, I know he can speak it, but I'm ta- but but in the in the in the principle of what I'm talking about here, if God's going to quicken something to your mind, it's got to be something you hid. John five nineteen. This is this. There's a couple things I think are amazing about this verse. Then Jesus said, and said, then Jesus then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, unto you. The Son can do nothing of Himself but what He seeth the Father do. For what things soever He doeth, these also doth the Son likewise. In essence, you know what He's saying here? That the Son was led. He was an example of being led by the Spirit. Sidebar to this, something just kind of hit me. You've probably already seen this and thought of this, but... Isn't it correct that a part of the doctrine of the Trinity is that the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost are three separate co-equal, right? If the Son doesn't do anything by himself, unless he sees what the Father does, how is he co-equal? Because if you're co-equal, you don't need to just wait to see what the Father does. You just go ahead and do it yourself. Jesus, I, 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 you know, some of these modern day terms, I struggle with using them, but I'll use it. Jesus modeled. Jesus modeled what you and I support being led by the Spirit. I don't know. I tried to, I looked up the meaning of the Hebrew or the Greek word there for seeth. And, you know, that, that's for those of you that 
periodically, you know, you study Greek words and Hebrew words, man, there, there's sometimes you look, you, open, you look at that Greek word and it's like, mind blown. Wow. There's other times you're expecting that and you're like, great. I was kind of hoping for some kind of deep, powerful insight to that, what, that Jesus said, I, all I do is what I see the Father do. Couldn't find it. So you know what? I don't think that means that he was like watching a movie. I think it was that impulse. That being, just being led. Allowing the Spirit to lead and guide. Last verse, Psalm 37, 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delighteth in his way. The Living Bible says it this way. The steps of good men are directed by the Lord. He, the Lord, delights in each step they take. If you read the King James, sort of the way it says it, to me, when you read the King James, it's like, I delight in his way. But you read some of these other translations, and what it's saying is that God delights in your steps. God is, why would I not want to be led by the Spirit when God's sitting there going, well, I can't wait for you to take this next step. I can't wait for you to see what's coming next. If I, if I can just get you to take the right steps, you have no eye has not seen and ear has not heard it. Neither has it entered into the hearts of men the things that God has prepared. And so if my steps are ordered by Him and He delights in me in my steps, that means He he is ordering my steps into some good things. I, yeah, there's challenges and ups and downs along the way. But this being led by the Spirit is not a burden to be born. Great, i got to be led by that. I mean, led by this. Oh, wait a minute. I get, I get to be led by the Spirit. I can't. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to. I, I, but I get to be. I get to learn. I get to grow and develop in being led by the Spirit. The bottom line, I think, is this. If you've got the Holy Ghost, you have the right to expect the Spirit to lead you. You can't put Him in a box of how He leads you. I've I've waited all my... I'm 51 years old. For those of you that aren't on social media, I had a great disturbing awakening this morning. I went to play a little bit of pickleball, try to get a little bit of exercise in this morning before I started my day. And written on the board was all these info for pickleball tournaments. And one of them was for the uh, Senior Olympics pickleball. I'm like, wow, senior, that's pretty cool. Until I read the parentheses. 50 and up. <laughs> Hold on a minute. Senior Olympics. That's those people that can't move. We putting no 51-year-old in the Senior Olympics? What in the world? Why did I tell you all that? 
50, I, there, there's some things, there's some ways I've been waiting and still hoping for God, to, how he's going to lead me. Visions. To my knowledge, I've never, I've never had, a, to my knowledge, and if I did, I didn't realize it was. I've had a few dreams that I think were God. I'm not trying to be, I'm just telling you. I, don't, I had some people come up, Pastor Wright, I had this dream. I'm like, oh, God, help me. He told me this dream. What's that mean? I'll pray about it. Some of y'all may understand why I really hesitated on that one for a second. I don't know. It means you ate something before bed that messed with your mind. It means you. Again, I'm going to say it again, please. Anytime I make this kind of point, I believe in all those. I believe in dreams and visions. I believe in, I believe in all of that. I, get, I believe in all of that. But my problem is I think a lot of us discount ourselves and God leading us because we don't have any of those. If I get there next week, Lord willing, who knows? In the book of Acts, the only time where I find that it references that the Lord spoke to Paul, do you know when it was? Actually, that's the second time that I've missed because it wasn't necessarily an Acts. In the book of Acts, the only time that I find where it says God spoke to Paul was on the road to Damascus. Pre-conversion is when he gets this voice from heaven. After conversion, Brother Bray just said it, in Corinthians, Paul says, the Lord said, my grace is, he, he spoke to him there. But the majority of what it talks about in Acts and the leadings, do we believe Paul was led by God? Absolutely. But it wasn't because the Lord was speaking to him every single day, every single moment of the day. I wonder if the reason God spoke one of the main times was before his conversion is because once he was saved, he shouldn't need that dramatic voice from heaven anymore. It ought to be able to just be led by the impulses of the Spirit. Lord, your word says there's nothing new under the sun. And I think in the last couple of months, I've understood that more and more, what it means, but it still seems to me, God, that there are circumstances and situations that at different times and different seasons can make some things more intense, more needed. And I realize for all the time it's been needed, especially since the outpouring of your spirit, to be led by the spirit that's in us, your spirit. God, it just seems to me that even more in the day and time we're living in, for all kinds of reasons, not God, not not all of them necessarily bad, terrible reasons, but it just seems we're in a day and time, God, more than ever, we need to be led by your Spirit. Father, I pray that you would help us tonight because according to your word, being led by your Spirit is not something that's for some select, special group of people. 
It's not just for the apostles, evangelists, pastors, prophets, teachers, but according to your word, being led by your spirit is what every son, every born-again believer has the right to expect. It's what should be happening in our lives. And so, God, it's my understanding from your word, my studying and reading of your word, there's a lot of different ways that you lead us. There's a lot of different things you choose to use as a part of leading us. So, Lord, whatever that may mean for each one of us individually, what, whatever may be some of the primary ways you choose to lead each one of us, the bottom line is this, Lord. We need, and I believe I'm amongst people tonight that want to be led by your Spirit. Help us to grow and develop and mature in being led by you. God, first and foremost, that your word would be the lamp to our feet, the light to our path, that your word would be what is quickened to our minds and our spirits when we are in need of direction, when we are in need of guidance, Lord. That it doesn't take an angelic visitation, it doesn't take some kind of voice booming from heaven, but just that reminder of what your word says would be good enough to lead us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray, God, tonight by your grace that you would help every one of us to grow and mature in the ways in which we are led by your Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you on Sunday. In Jesus' name.